0: Welcome to Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. I'm Mike McNary. In addition to leading the sales organization here at Mimeo, I'm also interested in unlocking the secrets of sales and marketing. In each episode, I talk with creative leaders to find out how they approach problems like motivating sales teams, structuring the revenue cycle, and fitting product to market. At the end of the conversation, you and I have new takeaways to apply to our everyday life. Let's jump into today's episode.
1: Hey, everyone. Mike McNary here with another installment of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast. Today's episode is Tending to Your Sales Team's Mental Health Why Mental Health Matters and How to Incorporate It into Your Sales Leadership. Our guest for today's episode is Jeff Risley. Jeff is the founder of Sales Health Alliance and the author of The Guide to Better Mental Health in Sales. Jeff, it's great to have you. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Michael, great to be here. I'm so excited to talk about this with a fellow sales leader, and uh, it's top of mind for a lot of people, so pumped to be here.
1: It really is, and uh, we're pumped to get into it. Uh, Before we do so, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and and how you came to focus on mental health in sales?
2: Yeah, good question. So I started in sales about 11 years ago now and started in sort of the classic boiler room type of sales environment. Mm -hmm. I was being measured on whether or not I can make $200 a day, achieve two and a half, two and a half hours of talk time. If you weren't hitting your metrics, you let go pretty quickly. So very much uh, sort of that sink or swim type of sale environment, maybe Wolf of wall street type of sales environment. Yep. So on the surface, I did really well from an individual contributor standpoint. Hit my targets school incentives those trips that we all work, we we all kind of think about from a sales standpoint but behind the scenes i was not okay i had really bad anxiety insomnia and these panic attacks in the middle of the night and it was after the third panic attack that put me in the hospital when i started to realize that this is not a healthy way to approach my day-to-day and right. that i need to sort of figure out a way to approach this topic and handle this on uh, for, for, for myself so first thing i did was i saw my doctor, he prescribed me some anxiety medication, which I tried for about two to three months, hated how it made me feel. And going to therapy 10 years ago was still highly stigmatized. And that was kind of at the moment when I sort of stopped taking the medication and I had to realize that, look, working in sales, if I want to kind of maintain this career that I really enjoyed, the learning, the growth, the rush you get when you close a big deal, I'd really need to figure out a way to make myself more mentally resilient and learn about what mental health actually was, how does the brain react to stress? And I just started learning and teaching myself these things over the next sort of seven to eight years and didn't really realize how important it was until July of 2018. I launched my first sales consulting website. And three days after that, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So life through this like crazy, crazy curveball that I wasn't ready for. But it was through that experience when I started to learn that the same strategies I was using to take care of my mental health and sales and naturally executed on during this next stressful period of my life. And the more I reflected during this kind of like stressful period of time, I started to realize yeah. that, look, anxiety in sales is not optional. It's really part of everyday life. And when sales teams really start to become anxious, depressed or burnt out, the performance really starts to suffer. So how do we really start to change the, the, the conversation around this topic shifted away from this doom and gloom perspective? to really start thinking about salespeople as these corporate athletes that need to show up and perform in front of customers every single day. Right. And that sort of was the origin story and the birth of Sales Health Alliance. And, and why I have committed to really creating more awareness and equipping salespeople with the tactics they need to navigate stressors in a mentally healthy way.
1: Wow. That is a very compelling origin story uh, there, Jeff. So thank you for sharing that with us. And it looks like, you know, this is something that's near and dear to you, obviously, and something that you've been thinking about for quite some time. Uh, You mentioned Sales Health Alliance. Tell us a little bit about the organization, uh, I guess, uh, you know, summarize it and what you guys are up to uh, day to day.
2: Yeah, so Sales Health Alliance is sort of like, Two main two main goals, really, it's to create awareness around mental health and sales and really sort of empower sales teams and salespeople to reach peak levels of sales performance through better mental health. That includes things like resilience and stress management as well. And our goal is to really kind of approach sales, understanding that sales is its own unique beast with its own unique stressors, whether that's missing target, deals falling yeah. through, buyers ghosting, ghosting us when we're kind of chasing chasing them and kind of <laughs> <laughs> reaching out yep and it's sort of how do you kind of navigate these unique stressors and like like i said equipping sales with the tactics they need to navigate them in a mentally healthy way so the way i think about it is you know you have all of your, your training and coaching around to help sales people be effective at their craft and selling but what's missing is how do you give sales people the pads and the helmets they need to play that contact sport every single day right. So that's what my company really focuses on, providing training, content, videos, podcasts like this that approach this topic and provide some really tactical, actionable things that sellers can be doing on a daily basis to protect their mind and optimize their performance.
1: Yeah, and it's just awesome what you guys are doing. And I think... um, you know, you think there would be more of this out in the marketplace, but I think you're doing some really unique stuff. And I think people should uh, take a look. So, you know, if somebody wanted to learn more about Sales Health Alliance or wanted to get in contact with you, Jeff, how would they do that easily?
2: Yeah. So the website saleshealthalliance.com. So that's probably i've built the business to be a resource first and business second so there's uh, i think there's almost 150 pieces of content on there yeah quite a bit articles videos things that people can use um and if you wanted to get in contact with me directly it's just jeff at saleshealthalliance.com and i primarily work with sales teams delivering live virtual programs around specific topics like i said around stress management around mindset around you know how do you make work more meaningful on a daily basis around mental health and really kind of these nice little modules that can kind of snap on to any sales kickoff event or any kind of weekly sales standup meeting that you have uh, to really start kind of approaching this topic in a, in a different light and, and having more vulnerable conversations within sales.
1: Yeah, and listen, there is a lot there and I think it's incredibly valuable stuff. So I do encourage the audience to check it out. Uh, you know, Before we kind of dig into the topic for today in, in a more granular way, what's your favorite part about your job? You know, you're doing a lot here for the sales community. You're very thoughtful about how to help in this particular area of mental health
0: and sales. What do you like most about it?
2: I think what I like most about it is I have very real, genuine, authentic conversations almost every single day. And it's sort of leaning into the fact that when leaders, when individuals, when with their friends, if you sort of lean into the conversation have the courage to open up and talk about times when you are stressed or panic attacks or what have you, it really attracts other people that also have gone through the same experiences. I've yet to meet a sales leader or a salesperson who hasn't struggled with their mental health at some point mm-hmm. throughout their sales career. And when two people are opening up, you can really... like there's no mask. Like the BS is gone. It's like, you're just having a real conversation saying, Hey, this is like, this is what I've been through. Hey, I've been through the same kind of thing as well. That's not pleasant going through it on our own. Like, let's just talk about this stuff. So it's like, I think it's cutting to the real core of what people are feeling, what people are thinking. And, and, and for me, like I, I always kind of, that's experience with, with testicular cancer really kind of brought me to a point where, you know, how do I, Sort of leave my sort of mark. How can I, can I, like, if I already get hit by a bus tomorrow, how can I make sure that I'm living a meaningful life? And if I think about sort of that 22 year old salesperson, Jeff, who was anxious, going to the hospitals, scared, shitless in the middle of the night, like, right. if I can sort of help someone's become 1% better or feel a little more comfortable reaching out and asking for help or 1% better at kind of navigating that rejection, then that's going to be a meaningful life for me. So I'm, I'm, I think that's kind of what I get the most out of. Well
1: said. Yeah, that's got to be uh, very, very powerful. So, all right. So thanks for the background on, uh, you know, Sales Health Alliance and, and your story, Jeff. we to talk today, you know, really about, you know, what is mental health and, and why is it important specifically within sales? So why don't we start by defining, you know, what do we mean by mental health? Right. How do you define it? And how is this maybe different than how most organizations might think about it?
2: Yeah, another good question. So, mental health is realistically and is like academically speaking defined as the spectrum of well being that we fluctuate along on a daily basis. Right. So, similar to physical health, there's going to be things that happen. We bump our knee, we think we trip, we do certain things throughout the day that's going to impact our physical health. What we eat is going to impact our physical health. So there's external and internal factors that are impacting our physical health. The same thing happens from a mental health standpoint. There's a spectrum of well-being that we fluctuate along on a daily basis based on what's happening in our internal environment, like our thoughts, feelings and emotions and our external environment. Like those stressors that we talked about in sales, losing a deal, or even maybe positive things happen where we close that big deal and all of a sudden we feel you know, confident or a manager recognizes us for the hard work that we're putting in. So that's really what it is, is a spectrum of well-being. And I think where organizations and sales teams really get this conversation wrong is they're misdefining mental health as mental illness, Similar similar to physical illness. That's one, that's the bottom end of the spectrum. Mental illness is the bottom end of the spectrum when salespeople become really anxious. They're really burnt out. They have insomnia. They can't even show up to work. And as a result, a lot of the conversations are happening around you know, how do we address people that are very anxious as opposed to saying and then and, and adopting reactive strategies to handle that as opposed to saying, well, what about the people in the middle? What are the people who are thriving in their roles, but they're starting to kind of move slowly towards that mental illness? They're feeling that burnout set in. They don't know how to handle stress. They've encountered something that really kind of knocks them off their, their feet for a couple of days. What can you really do? to equip them to become aware of what mental health in themselves feels like to correct these micro deviations, as opposed to waiting till someone can't even show up to work and then saying, now this is when I'm going to help this person. Right. Um, because leading up to that point, that could be days, weeks, months, even years of underperformance. That's being totally overlooked.
1: Yeah. And, and I'd say that, uh, beyond the uh, Casey, you just described where people are reactionary or reactive to it and are dealing with it as in almost the aftermath. I think that might be the ideal in some cases that people are even reacting to it and trying to address it. In other cases, I could see so many people in the situation being written off as not right for sales. Right. Yeah. When there's plenty of people that are probably great for sales, but have this, um, you know, mental health journey that is affecting their ability to execute or, or you know, show the skill that they inherently have and um, in determination to succeed. So, yeah, uh, very, very interesting.
2: And, and I would I, I would say to your point as well, it's if you want to think about the mental health, the way I think about it is if you think about all of those different things that sales leaders and sales organizations focus on in terms of metrics, calls being made, Mm -hmm. uh, their ability to negotiate, their ability to be confident, enthusiastic, to think on their feet, all of these different skills, traits, and abilities, it's rooting back to the health of the mind. So if you think about it, why are we trying to tackle all of these different sales skills individually, as opposed to thinking, well, the greatest way to improve performance, well, it all roots back to the health of the mind. So if you improve that health of the mind by 1%, that's gonna have a direct impact on every single other aspect that that person is actioning every single day. So it's really a way to think from an exponential standpoint, a way to exponentially increase your sales performance as opposed to a more linear approach that's taking each one individually, that's going to yield some results. Like I'm not saying negotiation training or objection handling training doesn't work, but if you can kind of hit all of them at the same time, then that's gonna cause exponential growth growth over time. And that's really what sort of the data from the World Health Organization, from Deloitte, some of the kind of survey research that I've done, there's this really strong correlation of about four to one return on investments. Every dollar invested into scaled up treatment for common mental health disorders, like anxiety, like burnout, there's a $4 return on improved health and productivity. So it's huge. It's like it's the biggest opportunity that every individual salesperson and every organization is missing right now that could dramatically change everything.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like that's the answer to the question of, you know, okay, we know why mental health and addressing it and managing it in a healthy way is important to the individual. But I think what you just described is why it should be important to the organization right? Not only to be people centric, and of course, you know, you know, the humanity of it, right? And, and wanting to be, um, you know, a good organization that takes care of its people uh, in, in, in a positive and healthy way. But it also sounds like, you know, if you can get to the root cause, you're probably going to have a higher ROI than doing these things, uh, addressing these things later on in a reactive way.
2: Totally. Yeah, that's the nice part about this conversation. And why I also really kind of, to your, to your point, what do I love about this job is it's I love it. What I love about it is it's uh, not only does it is it like the moral and ethical thing to do for sales leaders and organizations, but it actually makes like amazing business sense because of the upside potential that this conversation has when yeah. you lean into it. Yep. Yep.
1: No I think um, there's there's the there there right that's how how if people could really get some visibility into um, some of the returns, I think it would be something that you'd find more and more organizations buying into and and really doubling down on right yeah now we've talked a little bit about some of the you you know you've mentioned some of the things that come with being a salesperson um, and how that you know can lead to some of these things like anxiety and burnout as you mentioned. would you say that sales? In general, maybe as a department um, is is treated, or on a day to day, has a different environment than other departments that make it almost counterintuitive to positive mental health.
2: For sure, I would say a hundred percent. Like I think there's a lot of fear based management that happens within okay. sales compared to other departments within a, within an organization. It's very outcomes based, outcomes driven, yep. um, where every single day you're being measured on what you're delivering versus maybe someone working in hr or working in project management where there's maybe multiple it's they're being measured on sort of a a multi-week span or multiple month project that they're working on as opposed to every single day here are your metrics here are your here here's what you have to do and if you don't well you're a failure or you're you're at risk of potentially losing your job like that's something that i experienced so There's a leaderboard as well of, you know, always being compared to other people that's sort of impacting. So yeah, like there's so many different aspects of sales that is putting a person in a position where they don't feel safe at work, whether that's true or whether that's in their mind, the way the environment is designed, it's to try and like hold them accountable for what their outcomes are. And the thing with sales it makes things very challenging is, the outcomes and sales are rarely in your, in your control. What's in your control is sort of the effort, the learning, the practice, the what you're putting, how you're showing up every single day. That's what's in your control. If you think about someone like Kobe Bryant, for example, he was one of my favorite basketball players of all time, you know, outcomes were important to his career, but when he had a bad game or he suffered a setback, he wasn't dwelling on what happened. He knew that what he could control was his mind, his body. And he was in the gym right after the game, getting up hundreds of hundreds of shots because he knew right. if he could focus on the inputs, like how he was showing up, it would lead to better outputs and better outcomes over the span of his career. And that's where I think that we're missing a lot of this conversation within sales is we're so focused on the outcome and and fearing that outcome as opposed to leaning in that these you know potential failures and pitfalls are going to happen but how do we actually focus on the things we can control, mental health being a big part of that and how we're showing right. up each day?
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's a very interesting take. Uh, so, you know, thinking about, you know, the instituting positive mental health uh, you know, practices and being mindful of the mental health of your team, You know, are there things that leaders can look for? Uh, as signs of maybe things going well or maybe things going in the wrong direction for some of their team members on a day-to-day or, or over time?
2: Yeah, so I think before we can kind of, kind of answer that question, like I think the most important question we should tackle is you know, what does declining mental health feel like in an individual and in terms of building awareness around the, around yourself, there's like four buckets that you really want to focus on. It's changes to your thinking. So changes to, and that usually starts with what if statements, that's how anxiety usually starts. What if I miss that deal? What if I miss that target? What if my boss doesn't like me? Things like that is sort of changes to your thinking. Yep. Then there's going to be the second bucket is changes to what you're feeling emotionally. Are you feeling calm? alert and focused, or are you starting to feel stressed, overwhelmed and panicked? Then there's gonna be changes to what you're feeling physically. So this is your stress response ramping up. Are you getting that dry mouth? Do you have aches and pains in your body? Are you maybe sweating in the middle of the night, which is a nasty thing from for myself. Do you have, <laughs> I used so I always used to get a pain in my upper right side of my stomach as well. So that's sort of bucket three. And then last, the fourth bucket is changes to your behaviors. When we start to become anxious or overwhelmed, there's going to be micro changes in our behavior. And these will typically be bad habits that are helping us run or avoid the types of sensations, those emotions that we're feeling. So for me, before I understood the importance of this topic, it would be, you know, partying and drinking heavily or playing hours and hours of video games. So changes in the types of behaviors I was doing on a daily basis. So with those four buckets, what you want to be mindful of is the intensity, the frequency and the duration. So when intensity, frequency, and duration is all really high, that's a sign that you've kind of moved down that mental health spectrum and approaching that sort of mental illness. So if you go out and party one day and you get really drunk and you're kind of, you know, you, you only do it once in a while and the, the frequency and the duration are low, and, but the intensity for that one time is high. So Probably not the best use, but and there could be something going on, but it's not like you're an alcoholic and doing it every single day. So think right. about it that way. Or are you showing up? Are you, Do you get angry occasionally? Or are you showing up really angry every day all the time? Are you only sleeping up badly one or two nights in a row? Or are you sleeping badly for multiple weeks on end? Intensity, right. frequency, and duration. So that's how you kind of want to kind of think about your own mental health. Be aware of some of those declining symptoms. When it comes to what leaders can start to do, if you think about those four buckets, The only thing that they can really perceive, they won't be able to tell what someone's thinking. They won't be able to tell what they're feeling physically, and they won't be able to tell what they're feeling emotionally. But what they can see is the behaviors. And the key is micro changes in behaviors, very tiny behaviors will usually be telling a much, much bigger story. So it's always, always important to stop and check. And I've had this example happen multiple times. Someone who posts frequently on LinkedIn all of a sudden, if, if they're not posting for a week, usually I've checked in and I've and a true story, I checked in and say, hey, yeah, I noticed you haven't been posting on LinkedIn for the last couple of weeks. Is everything okay? And the person responded, wow, I can't believe you noticed that. Like my, my best friend actually passed away and I needed oh. to take some space. Even small things on virtual calls, if you have a rep who's always showing up with a big smile, is engaged. Couple of days in a row, that frequency starts to go up where they're not smiling. They're maybe not engaged. It's important to check in and reference that behavior. Hey, I noticed yeah. you haven't been smiling as much. Is everything okay? And it's you might not catch something all of the time, but the fact that you're checking in and addressing that behavior and approaching it from a compassionate, empathetic lens, you'd be surprised how many times you can kind of pull these things out from a leadership standpoint.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, I'm sure that's going to resonate, you know, really, really strongly with uh, sales leaders listening, right? And, and I think especially those who. Uh, take pride in knowing their teams, right, and paying attention to their teams in, in a way that's uh, caring. Because I think that's uh, the foundation for being able to notice those deltas. In order to see these changes, you have to have that good kind of foundational reference point, right? Yeah.
2: And and the on, and and to the sort of the work goes in ahead of that too, where leaders, because of there's this weird dynamic within sales where if you think about it, like how likely are you you to be vulnerable to someone? who's judging your performance every single day, there's this right. vulnerability paradox that's very unlikely. So to kind of remedy, to kind of, kind of break this paradox, leaders have to be actively talking about how they felt how, using references of times when they were stressed and in conversations on a daily basis, if they haven't slept well one night, it's, it's saying in, in their sales meeting saying, Hey guys, I didn't get the best sleep last night. So if I'm a little short with you or, you know, I don't, I miss an email or, or something or Slack message. Just know it's nothing you did. It's just, I'm, I i did not sleep that well. And really having those leaders talk about how they're feeling on a daily basis, as opposed to positioning themselves as these perfectionists or these people that can never fail. No one wants yeah. to have a conversation with a perfectionist or someone who's perfect. People <laughs> sure. want to have conversations with people who have been in their shoes and get what it's like to work in sales.
1: Right. So, you know, Beyond kind of showing that vulnerability, right, and that imperfection and the, you know making sure that you're checking in when you see those micro behavioral changes, right, that you mentioned and, and, and talked a little bit about a moment ago, are there any other tips or tricks that you would give to sales leaders when wanting to engage with a team member about you know, where they are on the mental health spectrum or checking in to see if something is in fact, uh, you know, going on that is affecting them in, in, in a less than positive way.
2: Yeah. Like not to, not to sort of plug the work that I do, um, obsessively, but that's sort of where a lot of the programming that I've built comes into play where, Right now, it's very hard because within a lot of sales organizations, if you think about things like stress management or you think about things like resilience or mindset, you have the blind leading the blind. So one of the best things sales leaders can start doing is not only for themselves, but their teams, like I said, how do we equip salespeople with the strategies and the tactics they need to build awareness around mental health, but navigate stressful situations in a mentally healthy way? So that both the manager and the individual reps can kind of start to p- support each other and understand each other to have more conversations around here is what you can do when these certain things start to happen and right now because the conversation is brand new and a lot of teams haven't addressed it the default is always well if my rep is underperforming i'm going to focus on cold calling training or i'm going to focus on objection handling training, they go into their manager toolkit to say, here's all the things that I know ways to improve sales, these craft based trainings that aren't really going to resolve and address the issue of, oh, this person's actually feeling burnt out. And how do we resolve kind of that core issue that's leading to that underperformance?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and it is nuanced and I'd imagine incredibly complicated because case by case, things can be so different from individual to individual. And, you know, it's difficult to be. A, not only, you know, a sales leader that has the day-to-day job of, you know, leading and driving revenue and managing your teams, but also becoming, uh, you know, equipped and competent in this area. You know, it's also got to be somewhat uh, stressful for uh, leaders to have to kind of uh, navigate these scenarios that are so, for one, personal, two, you know, private in a sense. And then finally, um, new to them and, uh, you know, something that they're navigating for maybe the first or, or, you know, uh, it's early on in their experiences with it.
2: To your point, I think that's important to acknowledge that, yes, mental health is private. And I just like physical health is private. But if you think about the privacy around physical health, people are way more open with how they're feeling if they've got a cold or they twist their ankle or they break a bone the same sort of i'm not saying that you should be sharing everything that's on your mind all the time but mental health like i said that mental illness is very private but mental health if you think about it that spectrum of well-being there should be more openness people should feel more comfortable being vulnerable with how they're feeling if they've in the same sense twisted their ankle and moving slowly one day maybe they've twisted their ankle from a mental health standpoint and be able to share that without being like oh well You've missed your target. You're going on a pit.
1: Right. No, that's yeah. It's, it's very interesting uh, to think about it from uh, through that lens. Right. Yeah. Now, you've talked a little bit, Jeff, about, you know, thinking proactively and getting out in front of these things in a holistic way versus being reactive and, and handling them, you know, late stage when, when maybe some of these uh, mental health regressions have already taken place or taken hold. What is something that maybe a sales leader or an organization at large can do to create an environment that fosters a positive uh, mental health and interactions that are supportive of, uh, you know, uh, healthy folks in general?
2: So I think the biggest thing that we can do as an organization um, or as like a community is Really, again, start learning what stress actually is, what mental health actually is and learning how to offload stress on a daily basis, as opposed to offloading, trying to offload stress all at once through a vacation. And you see that same strategy being implemented with companies adopting things like wellness days or summer vacations. These are like big, big terms that are being thrown around right now. And that's approaching it from, well, we're going to give people an extra day to offload stress all at once. So it's a very reactive strategy. Yep. It means leading up to that wellness day, there's going to be days or weeks of underperformance until because of that stress buildup. So that's that's an issue. And the other problem with kind of wellness days or these summer vacations is there's two kind of critical assumptions that are being made. One, when that person has that wellness day, you're assuming that they know how to Offload stress. They know what right. they they know what they w- need to do to feel better. And two, you're assuming they want to offload that stress. They are engaged with their work. They find meaning and purpose in their daily work, day to day. So they want to use that time to come back their best possible self, as opposed to spend the day playing video games or drinking beers in the park or <laughs> whatever right. that might be. So there's like. It's assuming that people are engaged and have the tools they need to use that time off effectively, which in my experience, 95% of the time is not the case.
1: Right. Obviously, the work that you're doing is a great example. It's Health Alliance. But, you know, what can organizations do today to you know, educate their folks on that stress management? right? Is it something that you, uh, you know, kind of learn over time through, you know, internal resources? Is this something they could look to from a consulting standpoint to understand stress better and how to manage it incrementally versus, you know, um, offloading in, in, you know, kind of these, uh, we'll call them uh, all at once circumstances.
2: Yeah. Like it's, it it really just is from a learning standpoint. And I think that's why I've had a lot of success with sort of the with the sales health lines and the programs that i've built because just as a passion and now full-time i've read the you know hundreds upon hundreds of research papers and on resilience on motivation on stress on you know what's all kind of like the neuroscience behind this stuff the psychology behind it How do you kind of take these core concepts that are from an academic standpoint and then plug those learnings and research and put it into the context of a salesperson's day to day? And I think that's what we're missing is, you know, everyone knows, you know, things like meditation are helpful. Going outside is helpful reading before bed, practicing and gratitude. We all know that these are things that are helpful, best practices and habits that we can be doing on a daily basis, but without the context around when and why they're important, it's very, very difficult to want to do them on a daily basis. So that's sort of what I've focused on is kind of putting things into context. So sellers really understand how this is going to help them achieve those career goals, find more meaning in their day-to-day, feel less anxious, sleep better, achieve those bigger commission checks that everyone's chasing. It's putting it in the context of all of these things that we are already naturally driven towards to make it easier to achieve our career goals and make working in sales less anxious and less stressful.
1: Great points. I and mean, we talk about it all the time when when in sales, you know, trying to we speak to our customers or prospects, you know, what's the impact? Your points about. You know, having sellers understand why these things are important, I think, is a huge kind of first or one of the initial steps, at least, mm-hmm. uh, to getting buy-in right on some of these best practice changes and um, you know habit-forming uh, activities that could really have a high ROI for them.
2: Yeah, and I think there's there's a I don't know if you've ever listened to the Ritual podcast, but he's big on he's big on this. He was a he struggled with addiction for a lot of his life, and now he's an ultra-marathon runner, and right. he's got this podcast and his golden rule is really kind of in the golden rule that I adopt, which is your mood follows your behavior and you can't think yourself into a better mood. It's only when you take a specific action or you take an action to move that in shift that internal momentum in the opposite direction, when you can start to feel better. And it's learning about all of these different actions based on how you're feeling that you can use to shift yourself towards better mental health, to a situation where you're thriving, to a situation where you're sleeping, to a situation (laughs) when you're showing up and you're engaged and listening and being empathetic and asking really good questions to be able to close that deal. Yep, I guess
1: the last question I'd have would be, what's different about today, right? We all know that people are navigating a different uh, landscape you know, selling, uh, working remote, uh, not being able to engage with their customers or prospects in the same way that they used to. Has this led to any maybe unique challenges on how uh, people are navigating their own mental health and, and what the day-to-day brings in terms of obstacles or, or, or you know, uh, potential uh, downsides?
2: So I, I guess two comments on that. One would be it's more critical than ever for, for individuals who are working remotely To have a baseline understanding what mental health is and what they can be doing on their own versus in a team environment where there's that social connection of showing up every single day so again extremely important for for sellers and two it's to double down on things like psychological safety and just get rid of this fear-based management because right now and going forward for the rest of time sellers are working in environments that are only going to be get getting more variable more uncertain more complex more ambiguous and as a result to be able to thrive in those situations sellers need to be empathetic they need to be able to learn they need to be able to adapt to challenges and that requires a high degree of safety and then because that part of the brain that's responsible for learning for critical thinking for problem solving that part of the brain goes offline when we start to feel fear so learning how to build psychological safety into environments is critical to allowing teams and sellers to be able to adapt to kind of these growing economical challenges that we're facing. Because if we thought COVID was bad and how it disrupted every single person on, on the planet, climate change is going to continue to get worse. There's going to be more political distrust and issues going on. The safety and security and predictability that A lot of sort of sellers experienced, I would say in the late eighties and early nineties and early two thousands, like that, that time is gone. It's only going to, like I said, get more variable, more uncertain, more complex, more ambiguous. So this is a critical skill that everybody needs to have because that uncertainty is only going to keep going up.
1: Yeah. So true. Right on, Jeff. Uh, and listen, this has been, for me, uh, an incredibly uh, interesting and fruitful conversation. And I uh, really believe that the audience is going to get a g- lot of great takeaways from hearing you talk about mental health and sales and your experiences and some of the ways that the organizations can proactively get out in front of some of this stuff as, as uh, well as they can, right? So some key takeaways that I have, um, just generally speaking, Jeff, or It is incredibly important to be mindful of the mental health of your sales teams. One, uh, taking time and developing a strategy in this area is going to benefit your team members and your entire organization. And finally, listen, we're in unique times now, but this is always going to be relevant, right? It's always going to be something, and this is something that's going to be, uh, you know, the unique experience of the salesperson for uh you know the future right it's until something dramatically changes in how we look at selling to prospects and, and the day-to-day life of a salesperson um this is real and is something that requires our thinking and some resources to be put up against it
2: totally yeah i appreciate you kind of have me on to to create space for this conversation every conversation matters and Hopefully this leads to at least one sales leader thinking a little bit differently about this and, and actually it.
1: Yeah. We got one right now with me. So.
0: I appreciate your time very much, Jeff, and all the work you're doing in this field is fantastic. For those of you wanting to learn more about mental health for sales teams, Jeff has literally written a book on it. He's offering 25% off to our listeners. So head over to sales health Alliance and use promo code talk of the trade to get your ebook for our next episode. We're turning our sites over to a very specific part of selling, RFP responses. Here's a sneak peek from my conversation with Eve Upton of Bidcraft.
2: So there was some research by Nielsen Norman Group, and okay. they tracked the eyes of people across millions of pages. And what they found is the eyes moved in an F pattern. So you read that first heading, You read a little bit of the first paragraph and then you bounce to the next heading and then you bounce again. So people Mm. aren't reading the whole of that page in a nice, rational way. They're just jumping around because you you kind of move. So this means we need to use that understanding and we'll make sure that heading is incredibly important. Get the bottom line up front. We know this. We know bottom line up front. But this is why. This is why we use bold on certain words in a document and you use graphics to stop people's eyes. So think about psychology, apply it to a document and you can actually use it to influence the people.
0: Subscribe to Talk of the Trade for that upcoming episode and more. Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.